Good morning. I'd say it's good to see you all here, but I can't see any of you with the bright lights. <laughs> For those of you online, it's great to have you here this morning as well. Well, this is our last week in our series on H2O. And the most significant use of water in the church is baptism. And so today we're going to be talking about baptism. And uh, we call it believer baptism or water baptism here. And um, you may have heard about the pastor who went to a new church. And for the first eight Sundays he was there, he preached on the importance of baptism. And after that eighth service, one of the lay leaders of the church came up to him and said, Pastor, I think we get it. Next week, could you preach on something else? And so he said, well, you pick me a scripture, and next week I'll pick on the scripture. And the guy kind of just flippantly opened his Bible and said, okay, right here, that's the verse. Well, the verse he picked was Matthew 3.10. The axe is laid at the root of the tree. <laughs> he said, okay, next week, that's what I'm going to preach on. So the next Sunday he got up and he read the verse. The axe is laid at the foot of the tree. Why would anybody lay an axe at the foot of the tree? He said, well, it's pretty clear to me. He's going to cut that tree down. He's going to cut up all that wood. And he's going to go over the creek and make a dam with it. And when the water gets high enough, we're going to have a baptism. <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about baptism for eight weeks. You only get it for today. Don't worry. Um, but I do want to spend some time today talking about this very important sacrament of the church. You know, we're in our series about H2O. Baptism requires water, requires plenty of water. You go into the water, you come out of the water. Now, and across Christian churches and denominations, we don't all agree on the methods of baptism. You know, how it should be done or who should be baptized. And it's one of those things that's done differently in different places. It can have different meanings to different people. Different things come about because of it. But what I want us to do this morning is take a trip through the New Testament and look at the meaning of baptism, the beauty of what it stands for, the great symbolism that we see in this act that Jesus taught Actually, he commanded us to do. Um, it's something that's supposed to take place in the life of every believer. And I'm talking about it today because next Sunday, we're going to have a baptismal service. We're going to do a believer's baptism, a water baptism. And this is an opportunity for any of you that have never been baptized to step into those waters and take that plunge to become baptized in Christ. Now, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, Jesus gave his final instructions to his disciples, the final commandment, and it says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this morning I want us to look at four different questions about baptism. What is it? Who is it for? Why do we do it? And how do I live out my baptism? So the first question is, what is baptism? And in order to better understand what it is, sometimes it's easier to understand what it's not. 
You know, and that can be really confusing because for some people who come from mainline denominations, they believe that salvation is not complete without baptism or that baptism is salvation. So let's look at the scriptures and see what it teaches about salvation. And Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter two, verses eight and nine. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So salvation that includes baptism would be salvation by works, something that we do, something we contribute to. It's not grace through faith. But baptism is necessary for full obedience to what Jesus has asked us to do, even though it may not be a guarantee of salvation. It's not the water that saves us, it's the blood of Christ. Now, baptism is linked so closely to conversion and salvation that we kind of merge the two sometimes, but it's never required for salvation to occur. But we also consider that baptism has no meaning without faith in Christ. If you don't have faith in Christ, all your baptism gets you is wet. So if that's what it's not, then what is baptism? It's a public declaration that we belong to God, that our lives have been changed, that we are his, we're walking with him. Now some people commonly describe it as an outward expression of an inward reality. What's happened in us, we now express outwardly. We've come to be believers in Jesus, we publicly declare it to the world through baptism. It's a public commitment to follow Jesus, a commitment to live our lives for him. And it's a private thing between you and God, but we do it publicly with the family of God around us to support us in what we're doing. And it symbolizes what God has done in you as a believer. Now, there are two sacraments that we practice in the church, communion and baptism. And both of them are to remind us of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Communion, so that we will never forget what he's done. Baptism, to identify ourselves with what he's done for us, personally, individually. And it symbolizes our union with Christ, In Romans chapter six, verses one through four, Paul says that we learn that we are united with Christ in three ways. And here's what that verse says. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We're united with him in his death. When we come to Christ, we died to our old old way of life. Sin is dead. We're united with him in his burial. 
Baptism symbolizes our being buried with him. We're united with him in his resurrection. We rise out of the waters of baptism to express a new life in Christ. You know, and we do believer baptism here by a method called immersion. Others might choose to pour or to sprinkle the water on people, and there's nothing wrong with that, but those methods lose the symbolism that is so important to the experience. The Greek word used for baptize in Matthew 28, verse 19, is the word baptizo. And that word means to submerge, to immerse, to get fully wet. It's not getting a few drops on you. You go all in in immersion. Now, some of you may have not ever seen or experienced a believer baptism through immersion. Well, let me explain the process to you so you you know what it's all about. The person getting baptized will get into the water. You know, sometimes it's a river, sometimes it's a lake. Here, it's a big pool. And you get in along with the pastor. You're about waist deep in the water, and you're going to be dunked under the water. You're going to go backwards under the water and back up out of the water again. And as you go under the water, it represents dying to sin. Our old way of life is going to be gone. You're dead to sin. The few moments that you're under the water represent the burial with Christ, the time he was in the tomb. And then in celebration, you're raised back up out of the water, a new creature in Christ, rising to new life in Christ, united in his resurrection. And everyone rejoices with that person as they stand around and watch, celebrating that momentous decision that they made, declaring their baptism is complete, that they are now united with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In Colossians, Paul says to them, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Buried with him in baptism, raised to new life. Now, baptism also symbolizes our cleansing from sin, our salvation. You know, forgiveness and salvation come when we ask Jesus into our lives. When we come to baptism, that's already taken place. That's something we did when we came to Christ. And through baptism, we're telling the world about that faith that we have in Jesus. We're committing to walk in obedience to him. We celebrate being a new person, putting off the old and putting on the new. Paul, in his second letter to Corinthians, says that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And that's what your baptism symbolizes. The waters of baptism. We've been washed from our sins. We're made clean. We're ready to walk with Christ. You know, you can't skip repentance and come to baptism. You can't skip salvation and come to baptism. We can't skip dealing with our sin and the changes we need to make in our life to live in harmony with God and come to baptism. All of that happens prior to baptism. Baptism is God's grace being displayed in the life of his children through the symbolism of water and the covenant of baptism, being totally united with Christ. And for those of us that have been baptized, 
when we come to a baptismal service and watch what's happening in the lives of others, we remember our own baptism. It's a time for us to think through what, the step we took, the message we sent in obedience as we were baptized, and we rejoice with those who have made that ultimate decision to be baptized. You know, it's our stand up, be bold, and let others see response to what's happened in our lives. And it takes courage, it takes a bold step to step into the waters of baptism. So the next question is, who should be baptized? Uh, the New Testament scriptures, I think, are pretty clear about that. Baptism is for the believer. In Jesus' command to us, he says to go, make disciples, baptizing them. Who is them? Those disciples. Make disciples, baptize them. Disciple comes first. Believing comes first. So let's look at some examples in the scriptures. I'll start out by looking at Saul, who became the apostle Paul. He was a persecutor of the Christians. On his way to Damascus one day, he was going there to arrest all the Christians and have them slaughtered, and Jesus came and spoke to him and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he was blinded. And Jesus said, you're going to go into Damascus and there's going to be a man that comes to see you. His name is Ananias. And he's going to tell you about me. And Ananias, much as he didn't want to go, he went to see Saul. And as he prayed over Saul and talked to Saul and explained to him about Jesus the Messiah, Saul believed. And scales fell off his eyes and he could see. And Paul is telling his story in Acts 22, standing on the temple steps. And he says, after Ananias prayed for me, he said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. And so Paul was baptized. And there are many other examples of Paul baptizing people, and Peter, and I think of Lydia in Philippi. Paul was in Philippi, and there's no synagogue, so he went down to the river on the Sabbath to pray, and there he met a woman named Lydia. And he explained to her about Jesus, about the Messiah, who he was. Lydia believed and was immediately baptized. Well, while he's in Philippi, Paul and Silas get into a little trouble, and they end up in jail in chains. And while they're in jail, they're singing, they're joyful, they're praising God, they're worshiping, and at midnight, the chains fell off, the doors were opened, and they were freed. And there's a young Philippian jailer there who takes his sword to kill himself because he's going to be dead anyway if the prisoners escape. Paul says, no, 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 don't harm yourself. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. And there in that jail cell, that jailer learned about Jesus. He believed, he repented, and he and his family went down to the river in the middle of the night and were baptized. And Philip is in the desert and there's an Ethiopian eunuch coming by in his carriage and God says, go stand next to that carriage. And he did. And as he was there, he heard this Ethiopian kind of struggling with the book of Isaiah. And Philip says to him, do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, how can I understand if nobody will teach me? And Philip said, well, let me tell you, what you're reading there in Isaiah is all about a man named Jesus. He came to be our Messiah and here's what you need to believe about him. And the Ethiopian believed, repented, 
forgiven of his sins. And as they went along, they came to this body of water and the Ethiopian said, is there any reason I shouldn't go in and be baptized? And so he was baptized. And there's Cornelius, a Gentile, living in Caesarea, trying to learn more and more about God. And God told him, send your people to a place called Joppa. There's a man there named Peter. Bring Peter and he'll tell you. So Peter ends up in Caesarea with Cornelius, explains about Jesus the Messiah. Cornelius and his entire family believed, repented, and were baptized. You know, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached an awesome sermon. Um, You find it in Acts chapter two. And when he was done, the people said, well, what do we have to do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. And that day, 3,000 people were baptized into the faith. You know, in the church today, we've gotten kind of lazy about it. You know, in all of these situations in the New Testament, baptism immediately followed their conversion, their salvation. You know, and we've maybe lost a sense of the importance of baptism. You know, we don't necessarily call it what we need to call it. It's not optional. Every believer needs to be baptized. You know, there's two sacraments in the church, communion and baptism. Communion we do on a regular basis. No hesitation. We actually look forward to having communion together as the body of Christ. But the second sacrament that Jesus commanded us to do, we kind of treat it as optional. You know, many people who are beautiful Christians have lived their whole lives for Christ, have not been baptized. It's amazing how many, how many Christians have never taken that step into baptism. They're proclaiming Christ as their savior, they're living for him, but they're missing out on one of the ultimate experiences of the Christian life, the distinctive mark of discipleship, being baptized. You know, we're kind of indifferent to it, Although it's a very important sacrament, we're commanded by Christ himself to be baptized. And we find all kinds of excuses. Well, maybe next year. No, I'm not going to do it this year, but I'll do it someday eventually. Or, you know, I'm not quite spiritually ready. I need to do some more growing. Well, you don't have to wait until your spiritual life is where you want it to be. Baptism is a matter of obedience not a matter of maturity. You know, the same qualifications that we ask of you for communion are what's asked for baptism. Have you been forgiven by Christ? Are you living for him? That's what we need to know for baptism. You know, if you're one of those people who've been living for Christ your entire life, but you haven't been baptized, put away the doubts, the concerns, step up next Sunday. We'd love to see you baptized, stepped into the waters of baptism and united with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, rising up to new life in Christ. You know, baptism is for all believers. Now, who are all believers? You know, I think there are children that are at a point in their lives where they understand their profession of faith. They need to understand the meaning of baptism. But I've seen kids seven, eight, and nine years old express their profession of faith so beautifully and become baptized. 
So if you have children that you think are ready for that, have a conversation with them and see if it's something that they feel like they're ready to do. Now, I had one child who wanted to be baptized so he could wear a swimming suit to church. <laughs> now, I don't think he was quite ready for baptism. <laughs> but there are kids who are ready for it. Um, so talk to your children. Don't pressure them, but talk to them. And if they're at a point where you think they're ready, next week would be a good opportunity for them. You know, I baptized a man who was 80. You know, he'd been a Christian all of his life. He couldn't explain why he'd never chosen baptism. He thought about it every time we had a service, but just kept putting it off. And finally, God put his finger in his back and said, this is the year. You're going to do it. And what a joy it was to baptize him. And as I brought him out of the water, his arms went in the air. He began to shout and weep. Why didn't I do this years ago? Making that public declaration that he was Christ's. You know, some of you might have been baptized in infant baptism, and now that you're a believer, you want to be baptized through believer's baptism. You know, next Sunday would be the time to do that. You know, and I'm thinking about a lot of you youth. Several of you have just been to NYC. You've been to youth camp last week, and you've made new commitments to Christ, and have you not been baptized yet? Do you want to step up next Sunday and declare that I am Christ's? He's called me and I've responded to him. Next week would be a good time for you to do that. Okay, so we've talked about what baptism is, who should be baptized. The next question is why baptism? Well, the Bible commands it. It's one of the clearest commandments in Scripture, and it starts with Jesus in Matthew 28. 19, his final command, go make disciples and baptize them. In Acts, you see it over and over again. And Peter, on the day of Pentecost, preached that sermon, and the people said, well, what do we have to do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized. But then he goes on in verse 39 to say that the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's us. We're the ones that are far off. The ones that over the last 2,000 years, God has called. Now, it was given a very important place in the early church. Part of being in covenant community with other believers was having gone through baptism. The book of Acts is full of them, and we just talked about a few of those. But in every case, baptism followed their hearing the word and believing having their lives changed by the work of Christ. Through faith, grace has been extended to them. Baptism became the seal of their faith. The New Testament order is believe, repent, be baptized. There's only one example in the New Testament where a believer was not baptized. That's the thief on the cross. Didn't have that opportunity you know, another reason we're baptized is because Jesus set the example. Before he began his public ministry, he went down to the place where John the Baptist was baptizing. And he walked 60 miles to get there. He just didn't happen upon John. He went determined to be baptized. And when he got there, John had kind of a little discussion with him saying, are you sure? 
I don't think I'm the one that should be baptizing you. And Jesus' response to him in Matthew 3.15 was, we must carry out all that God requires. And see, the goal of every believer is to look and act more and more like Christ, to follow his example, and that would include baptism. You know, by doing it publicly, it brings you to a point of accountability. You're sealing your covenant with Jesus in an act of obedience. The old is dead and buried. The new you is rising up as a follower of Jesus. You know, and when the rest of the church family gathers around you, we witness your baptism, but we also witness your commitment. And we're standing there together saying that we're going to help you grow stronger in your walk. We're going to help you grow stronger in your faith. We're here for you. We affirm you and we rejoice with you. So there's one more question. You know, how do we live out our baptism? Is it the beginning or the ending? You know, for Jesus, it was the beginning of his public ministry. He was baptized and then he went off to the desert for 40 days to learn what it meant to be the Son of God. Jesus' story begins with his baptism, and he ends it with commanding that we also are baptized. It's much more than a symbol of salvation. It's an expression of our faith and love. It's a commitment to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean for us? You know, how are we changed? You know, the change began when we repented and came to Christ looking for forgiveness of sins, finding salvation, and now being baptized, we publicly declare that that is our intent. We are coming to Christ. And we begin to take on the character of Christ. We become more humble. We no longer are interested in just how we become comfortable, not just interested in ourselves, not interested in the recognition that we'll get for what we do. We start ministering to others. We start ministering to the world around us. We recognize the wrong and we try to make a difference. We try to do what's right. You know, we look at our life and we identify those things in our life that maybe aren't pleasing to Christ and we figure out what do we have to do to begin to change those things. You know, maybe we don't go to the places we used to go to. Maybe we don't say the things we used to say. Our, our language might need to change. Or maybe we change the things we read or the things we watch. And for some people, maybe it means you find new friends. You know, you, you still have struggles when you come to faith. You know, when you give your life to Christ, our habits are such a part of our life that it's really hard to break them. So those old habits are going to crop up from time to time but we need to get to a point in our walk where we've developed new habits, healthy habits, to replace those old ones. We learn how to stay away from the temptations. You know, and Paul captures the essence of all of this in the scripture that we read earlier in Romans chapter six. And I wanna read it again, but I'm gonna read it from the Living Bible. It says, well then, Shall we keep on sinning so that God can keep on showing us more and more kindness and forgiveness? Of course not. Should we keep on sinning when we don't have to? For sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians and were baptized to become a part of Jesus Christ, 
Through his death, the power of our sinful nature was shattered. Your old sin-loving nature was buried with him by baptism when he died. And when God the Father, with glorious power, brought him back to life again, you were given his wonderful new life to enjoy. For you have become a part of him. And so you died with him, so to speak. When he died, and now you share his new life and shall rise as he did. All those things should be happening as a result of our repentance and coming to Christ. In baptism, we declare it publicly, that we're gonna live for Jesus, we wanna become like him, we wanna help build his kingdom here on earth. You know, baptism is a sign that God has called us and we've responded. We're in the world, but we're not of it. We tell the truth in a world that lies. We give in a world that takes. We love in a world that hates. You know, baptism's not necessary for salvation, but it is necessary if we're gonna be obedient to Christ. He commanded it for all who believe. You know, and would you take that step of faith? You know, if you're ready and you're willing to be baptized, there's a red card in the seat back in front of you, looks like this says next steps on it. And one of those options is I'm interested in getting baptized. If you're interested in being baptized next week, would you just check that box, give us your contact information, and someone will get a hold of you this week and make arrangements for you. And if you're watching us online and you're being called to be baptized next week, come, come to the service on site, but this week, let the office know that you're interested in baptism and somebody will get with you and make that arrangement with you for it. So fill out the card, drop it in the giving box on your way out of the sanctuary, or just call into the office this week and let them know that you'd like to be baptized. You know, if you plan to be baptized next week, we need to know that by probably Wednesday or Thursday so we can make all the arrangements we need. And if you are gonna be baptized next week, I'd encourage you to invite your friends Invite your family. This is a time of rejoicing. And even if they aren't believers, invite them anyway. It's your opportunity to preach a sermon without saying a word. Declaring publicly that you've accepted Jesus, that you're walking with him, and your intent is to live a new life, united with Christ. So we'd love to have you next week demonstrating your discipleship. If you're serious about following Jesus, get serious about baptism and take the plunge. Next week would be your opportunity to do that. So let's stand and let me pray with you as we go this morning. Fill out that card. Make arrangements for next week. Father, I thank you today for your love, for the way you have loved us so deeply. Jesus, I thank you that you so willingly came You gave up your life. You came knowing exactly that that was your mission. And on that cross, you shed your blood for us. And then you invited us to be united with you in that death, that burial, and that resurrection through baptism. And I pray that you would stir the hearts of people here this morning that have never chosen that for their life, that next Sunday might be the day that they step into the waters of baptism. And as we go out into our week, out into our world, may we take you with us. Change our hearts, change our lives.
Help us to live for you. Bless everyone here this morning, everyone watching online, that their lives will reflect you in the world they live. Go with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.